tonight we're continuing on in our study in the Sermon on the Mount. So take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 tonight. Hope you'll join me in turning there. And we will look at verses 16 through 18 as we talk about a subject uh, that may be more familiar to some of you than others. It's the subject of fasting. Or as we'll look out tonight, fasting without hypocrisy. This is the third message focused on doing things without hypocrisy. We've looked at giving without hypocrisy, praying without hypocrisy, and now fasting without hypocrisy. Jesus was dealing with three of the primary religious practices of the Pharisees of His day and dealing with how they had taken things that were good and twisted them to be used for their own purposes. And let's look at verses 16 to 18. The Bible says, in the words of Jesus Christ, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. In each instance, that of giving, praying, and now fasting, the issue and the way that they had twisted these things was that they had made them, rather than to be in service to the Lord, they were now doing these things to be seen of men. And Jesus addressed that back in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 6, when He says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Don't do your religion, if you will. Don't practice your religion just to be seen of men. Otherwise, he says, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. So tonight as we look at fasting, I want to give you just a little bit of introduction as to what fasting even is. It's been a part of many different religions and diet plans throughout the world and throughout history. And for some, they saw it as a way to uh, receive visions or insight into the spiritual world. For others, it was a way just to improve health. And it is true, if you don't eat for a long time, you may start to see visions and hallucinate and see all kinds of things. And it may also improve your health in, in the sense of, of dieting and cutting back on things. But biblically, fasting has always been and has only been encouraged for its spiritual value and spiritual purpose. And it's never presented as having any value in and of itself to the person. Now, I'm not saying that if you fast, you won't have some physical value from that. But that's not the biblical purpose of fasting. Does that make sense? So, in Old Testament times, we see... Uh, we have recorded many different believers who fasted. Moses fasted, Samuel, uh, Hannah, David, Elijah, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Daniel, many others fasted, and we have record of that in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we have record of 
the fasting of Anna, John the Baptist and his disciples, Jesus, Paul, and many others. So fasting is found throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament. And many of the early church fathers fasted as well. In the past few centuries, we see Christian leaders like Martin Luther, John Wesley, George Whitfield, and others who uh, we know about their fasting because it's recorded for us in the pages of history. It's interesting to note, though, that in the in Scripture, there's only one command to fast. And that command is associated in the Old Testament with the Day of Atonement. Let's look at that really quickly. Leviticus 16.29. Leviticus 16.29, God says, And this shall be a statute forever unto you, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, ye shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether it be one of your own country or a stranger that sojourneth among you. So this phrase here, afflict your souls, that's a Hebrew expression that includes forsaking food as an act of self-denial. And this was a national fast that involved every man, woman, and child. This occurred one time a year. But fasting is not commanded anywhere else in Scripture. We are commanded to give. We looked at giving without hypocrisy a few weeks ago. We are commanded to pray, pray without hypocrisy, but we are not commanded in Scripture as believers today to fast. The Old and New Testament speak favorably about fasting and they record many instances of believers who did fast But it's important to understand that ultimately fasting is a voluntary act. It's a voluntary act, not a spiritual duty that must be observed. That's not to say you shouldn't fast. But it's not something that is commanded in Scripture for us to do. It's just helpful for us to understand what we're talking about. So tonight in your notes as you have them there, I want us to look first at the wrong kind of fasting or the pretentious fasting that the Pharisees were demonstrating back in Matthew chapter 6. The word fast, it's a, the Greek word there, nestia, it means not to eat or to abstain from food. Fasts were sometimes total and sometimes partial. And ordinarily during a fast, only water was drunk. And in the fasting that Jesus is referring to her in Matthew chapter 6, the the pretentious or hypocritical fasting that was taking place, there was fasting to be on display for others to see. And he describes that. Look back in Matthew 6. He says, "When When you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. This is fasting on display for others to see. Another kind of fasting that was also known during these biblical times was fasting for self-gratification. There were some that believed that they would give an account to God for all of the good food that they did not eat. Sort of like someday God would reward you for all the times that you fasted and all the food 
that you did not eat. But in both cases, this fasting was either to please others or to please yourself. It really missed the mark for what fasting is all about. We know in Scripture that Pharisees, at least many of them in Jesus' day, fasted twice a week. Luke 18, 12, as Jesus was speaking with this one Pharisee, he says, well, I fast twice in the week, and I give tithes of all that I possess. And if you go back and study how these Pharisees did it, they would often fast on the second and on the fifth day of the week. And they gave their reason for that as being, they claimed those were the days of the week that Moses went up Mount Sinai to get the tablets of, of, uh, of, of the law from God. But it's also interesting to note that the second and fifth day of the week were also the main days of the Jewish market when the city would be filled with farmers and people selling their food and vegetables in the city. And so can you imagine the picture here as Jesus is describing it? These guys, why fast twice a week? On the days when the most people will see me fasting. And so when everyone else is going to market and buying their meat and buying their vegetables to take home and cook, food for their family. Here came the fasting Pharisees, right? And they would make their countenance sad and they would often wear their clothing, look tired and their faces were drawn. In fact, he even talks about how their faces were disfigured. This is a picture of like they would even paint their faces like an actor who's getting ready to go on stage with maybe dirt and other things to make it look like Wow, look at these guys, how spiritual they are. Here it is, market day for everybody else as they buy their food. And here they come through the city streets and look at them fasting. They had taken fasting and totally twisted its purpose and its meaning and they had made it about themselves. I found randomly this week a video that was an interview with this man who started this cult I can't remember the name of the cult, but he claimed that you could find more spiritual purpose and centeredness by not eating food. It was basically a fasting cult, and that's all they did was fast. He claimed, in fact, that if your body was in perfect harmony, that all you needed was the sun and you needed to breathe, that breathing was the fundamental need, that you didn't need to eat or drink, you just breathe. You just had to breathe. Because if you stop breathing, you would die. And that was his kind of belief. And so he... ...interviews that he'd not eaten in 17 years. Well, this went on just fine until one day... Somebody caught him at 3 in the morning eating at McDonald's. And, and what they found out as they began to follow him is this man, he'd been pretending to fast all day when people saw him, but late at night he would go to 7-Eleven or he'd go to McDonald's and he would get hot dogs and hamburgers and, and binge eat these things and then he wouldn't eat during the daytime when people saw him and eventually his whole belief uh, as people found out, he was a fraud. Now, we might call him a modern-day, very strange, albeit, but modern-day Pharisee. Somebody who's trying to show what an amazing person they are by the fact that they're fasting. It was kind of interesting that I found that this week because 
I really wasn't looking for that. I was looking for something else, and, and that popped up, and I thought, well, that's interesting, being as I'm preaching on fasting this week. I had no idea that there was a whole group of people that were following this guy, and yeah, that went on for a long time. Very sad that people would follow that. But this is, in a sense, what Jesus was dealing with in His day. His people who were putting on a show just to be seen of men. I think we could say this very simply, that when the heart is not right, fasting is false, and it's a mockery of true spirituality. So if we are going to fast, we need to be very careful that it not be pretentious fasting. Rather, let's look at what the Scripture teaches about proper fasting. Proper fasting. Fasting is mentioned about 30 times in the New Testament. And I think you will see as we look through this tonight and make some of these points, fasting is a legitimate form of spiritual devotion. It's something that is legitimate. It's something that we can do. And in a sense, I would say we should do. But as I, as I made the point earlier, it's not something we are commanded to do. So if you're here tonight, I'm not going to ask you to repent of your sin of never fasting. It's not a sin to not fast. Yet fasting is a tremendous opportunity that we have in our relationship with God. So letter A there in your notes, fasting is normal and acceptable in the Christian life. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, verse 17, But thou, when thou fastest. He's assuming that they do. Now, remember the Day of Atonement that I talked about in the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus where they would have the annual fast and that's the one place where it was commanded that they should fast? Well, that command ceased with the work of Jesus Christ when it was finished on the cross. Because at that point, Jesus died once for all for the sins of all mankind, the day of atonement anymore. Hebrews 10.10 describes this. He says, By the which will we are sacrificed through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So therefore, when Jesus fulfilled it once for all, there was no longer this annual day of atonement because your sins are forgiven once for all. Therefore, that command associated with it for that annual fast would have also gone away. Jesus' disciples, I think it's also interesting to note, did not fast while He was with them. Did you know that? They didn't fast with Him because fasting is primarily associated with mourning or other times of great spiritual need or anxiety. In fact, Jesus addressed this in Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. He said, Then came to Him, it says, the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but thy disciples fast not? Jesus and these are the followers of John the Baptist. We're doing this. The Pharisees do this. And Jesus said to them, verse 15, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? 
But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. So fasting is often associated with mourning or other times of great spiritual need or anxiety in a time of rejoicing and celebration when they were with Jesus Christ, they weren't fasting. And that, again, I think is another point why it's okay if you do not always fast. I'll show you a couple other examples of how fasting is associated with mourning. 2 Samuel 12 and verse 16. When Samuel's son first son with Bathsheba died. It says, David therefore besought God for the child and David fasted. He's mourning, right? And he went in and lay all night upon the earth. Psalm 35, 13 says, but as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned into mine own bosom. So there's Fasting as part of mourning, when you're going through a time of deep grief or struggle. Fasting is often associated with that. But as we look through Scripture, and you'll see more passages tonight, I'll read you another, a number of them. Fasting is never shown in Scripture as a means to heighten spiritual experience. In other words, that well, if you fast, you're just going to be able to have a vision from God that you wouldn't have if you didn't fast. Fasting, letter D, is appropriate during times of danger. It's appropriate during times of danger. We see an example of that in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared. Why? Because the armies were coming. And set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Esther is another example of Fasting in the face of danger. Esther 4.16, she said, Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. The, the leader of Israel the prophet Ezra said this in 8.21, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of Him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. So you think of people who face great danger, maybe in time of war or time of difficulty in some way. Fasting is appropriate during this time. In Scripture, we also see that penitence is often accompanied by fasting. David, after he sinned with Bathsheba and then had her husband Uriah murdered, David fasted. When Elijah confronted Ahab over Ahab's sin, the Bible tells us even Ahab fasted. In 1 Kings 21, 27, it says, It came to pass when Ahab heard those words that he rent his clothes. Elijah said, You're in sin. And so Ahab rends his clothes and he put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. And the result of this time that Ahab did is that God actually held back his immediate judgment upon Ahab because Ahab submitted himself, even though he was a wicked king in many respects, he submitted himself on this occasion to the Lord. Fasting. 
or penitence is often accompanied by fasting. Also in the book of Ezra, Ezra 10, verse 6, it says, Then Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Johanan the son of Eliashib. And when he came thither, he did eat no bread, there's the fasting, nor drink water, for he mourned, why? Because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. So in his penitence, as he repented of sin before God, he also fasted. In the book of Daniel, we see that fasting is often associated with receiving special revelation from God. Daniel 9, verse 2 and 3, it says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years, whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. It's kind of fun because Sunday night in our Jeremiah class, we were just studying how Jeremiah wrote down what God told him to write down. He said, take a, a scroll or a roll and write it all down. And so he did. And Daniel now has a copy of what Jeremiah wrote. And he sees in there that it was going to be 70 years before the children of Israel would return back to Jerusalem. And so in verse 3, Daniel says, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting, there it is, and sackcloth and ashes. So as he's looking to seek God's face for something, he is fasting. We also see that fasting is often accompanied uh, the beginning of an important task or ministry. In the New Testament, in, uh, in the city of Antioch, in Acts chapter 13, when God was blessing in the church there and they decided they wanted to send out some men to, as missionaries, as church planters to go and to minister in other places. The Bible says in verses 2 and 3, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And When they'd fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So before Saul and Barnabas went out on this first missionary journey, they fasted. Again, Saul and Barnabas, as they were traveling and beginning to ordain elders in the churches that they had planted, Acts 14.23 says, And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. I know I've, I've had you fill out a lot of blanks really quickly on fasting, but I want you to see Fasting is something that is throughout Scripture, and it's used on many different occasions with all different types of, of issues or events taking place. But I want you to see three things here. These next three points are really important when it comes to fasting. Fasting in Scripture is always linked with prayer. It's always linked with prayer. In every biblical account where genuine fasting took place, not like the accounts where the Pharisees were fasting just for show, but where genuine fasting took place, it was always linked with prayer. You can pray without fasting, but you cannot fast biblically without praying. Fasting has no spiritual value at all on its own. In fact, it can be a spiritual hindrance. 
right? Because if you just don't eat for a while, you'll probably get grumpy. And that could hinder you spiritually. could even make it easier for you to sin. So when it's done, when fasting is done for any reason, apart from knowing and following the Lord's will, when it's not accompanied by prayer, fasting does not help us at all. So fasting is always, genuine biblical fasting is always linked with prayer. Second thing we see in Scripture, fasting is always linked with a pure heart. Always linked with a pure heart. Zechariah 7, 5, he says, Speak unto all the people of the land and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those seventy years, did ye at all fast unto me? Even to me? This is a negative kind of fasting. They had gone and fasted before the Lord, and God's saying, But you didn't do it to me. It wasn't really to the Lord. Your heart wasn't right. A little bit later in Zechariah 7, verses 9 and 10, he says, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, and show mercy and compassions every man to his brother, and oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor, and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. We would understand this when it comes to prayer, right? I mean, I wouldn't yell at you in anger and then say, Lord, thank you so much for your blessings in my life and please help me with this. No, prayer must be out of a pure heart, just like fasting must be done out of a pure heart. It's not for selfish intentions or motives. It's not just to say, well, look at me, I fasted, therefore I'm good. No, it must be done with a pure heart. But we can also see that fasting in Scripture is linked with obedient living. It's linked with obedient living. The passage I just read in Zechariah 7, 9 and 10, he's talking about how they are to live. Don't oppress the widows. Don't oppress the fatherless, the stranger, the poor. Those who are fasting in prayer, asking God for help, shouldn't then be turning around and oppressing others. I think what all this is telling us is that fasting is clearly not to be just be done to be seen of men. It's not just for a show. It's not just to check a box and say, look at me, I fasted, therefore God will bless me. No, fasting is always linked with prayer. It's always linked with a pure heart and it must always be linked with obedient living. This is not some sort of magic pill that I can live however I want, but if I fast, then I'm going to receive some special blessing. I think going back to our text in Matthew 6, we can see very clearly fasting is never to be done to impress men. What does proper fasting look like? Look at verse 17. He says, But thou... When thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face. This is the contrast, right, to the guys who walked around with a sad face and dirt on their face to make it look like, wow, those guys are really working hard in their fast. No, he says, get dressed, put some oil on your beard, slick your hair down so it doesn't look like you just got out of bed. What does he say? He says, anoint thine head, wash your face, clean all the dirt off, 
fasting's not so everybody, wow, he must be fasting. Boy, he looks tired. He looks angry. He looks hungry. That must be fasting. That's not fasting. What does he say? Verse 18, that thou appear not unto men to fast. In other words, if we decide, as we did a few weeks ago, to fast about something as a church, you may hear the announcement, hey, would you join us on this particular day in fasting as we prepare and as we pray and as we ask God to bless this? This is a time to focus upon something, to seek God's face, to take that extra time that we have now because we don't have to eat and take some of that extra uh, space and put it as a focus on the Lord. But if we have to announce it and then you have to call him, hey, by the way, I just want everybody to know I fasted. We're probably missing the point of what fasting is all about. He says, we're not to fast that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Genuine fasting is simply a part of concentrated, intense prayer and concern for the Lord, His will, and His work. Jesus' point here is that the Father never fails to notice fasting that is heartfelt and genuine. And God never fails to reward it. That's what He says here. Thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So fasting, it's one of those things, maybe to you it seems a little bit like a, a mystery, it's something we have an example of throughout Scripture. It's not something that you are mandated to do. You choose to fast or not to fast. But it is something that we see the example of many spiritual men and women throughout history, biblical history and more modern history, who have genuinely benefited in their relationship with God through the practice of fasting. Our fasting is not just for physical benefit. In fact, it, it's really not about physical benefit at all. If you fast as part of a diet, that's fine, but that's not a spiritual thing. Fasting is always accompanied by prayer. Use that extra time or the, every time you feel hungry, remind your, be reminded to pray again. Use that time to pray with more focus and dedication. It's always accompanied by prayer. It must always be linked with a pure heart to seek God, and it must always be linked with obedient living. And I want to encourage you, whether or not you choose to fast, maybe in preparation for what the Lord um, will do this weekend at our church as we reach out and as we lift up the name of Jesus Christ, whether you do or not, I wouldn't ask you to join me in praying for that. And whether you are going through something difficult where you pull aside and say, I'm going to spend some time focused in fasting, maybe for a whole day, maybe for part of the day, maybe just for one meal or, or a place throughout the day, then make sure you do it with a pure heart. Do it as you're obediently living for the Lord. We don't want to come back and think, well, I fasted, but we're living in sin, and then we're surprised that God doesn't bless. Our heart needs to be right before God as we do it.
But I would either way, whatever you decide to do personally, I would ask you to be in prayer. I would ask you to be in prayer for our church and for the people in our church. I ask you to be in prayer. I checked right before the service. We have right before the service. I'll check again right now since I'm talking about it. We had 200 and some kids signed up for Saturday already. We've, uh, and if you haven't signed up, you better get in quick because it closes at 250. So sign up your kids to come. I think we were at 221. So there's about 20 spaces left. And, uh, and my internet's not going quick enough to pull this up. But anyway, be praying as we get to just meet a lot of families this weekend and encourage them that way. I would encourage you to be praying as this Friday we have uh, a sidewalk counseling group going out to minister downtown with Love Life. And uh, if you want to be a part of that, I know they could use your help. You'd have to be free Friday morning, 8 o'clock, but see Kristen or Casey, they can get you connected there. and You can help out with that. That's a real place of spiritual battle and need. Be in prayer. I don't know what we have running over our ceiling right now, but something's up there. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, so before the service, we were at 221. Now we're at 231. So 10 people signed up in the last 45 minutes. So you are now down to 11 spaces left to get your kids in for the egg hunt if you want them to be here Saturday for that. Be in prayer for our services Friday night and Sunday morning as the gospel is shared. And be, be in prayer for one another, just the spiritual needs. Life can be very challenging. Be in prayer for our these folks up in Salado, Texas, that their church building was completely wiped out this past week. Be in prayer for our missionaries around the world that are serving God. I was um, texting back and forth with, um, with uh, James Pridgen this week in Uganda and seeing the progress. They've been able to reopen their school, which they were very thankful for. COVID, had, the mandates had closed it down. He said this is their largest attendance they've ever had. They have over 300 children in their school this year. They're opening up their new Bible Institute that our church was able to send some funds to help with. And so they're, they've got that going this year. And they're asking prayer for that. But as God is blessed, the challenges have just continued to grow. And we continue to see that here as God continues to bless and work in people's hearts and lives and bring people to serve with us at Arise Baptist Church, the challenges continue to grow. The spiritual battles are real this week, and they're real every day in and around us, and so we need God's help. I'm going to close in a word of prayer, and then we'll take some time. If you have any other prayer requests that you'd like to share, you can do that before we divide up to pray tonight. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what your word teaches us about fasting. I pray that we would consider what it teaches us and consider how we could partake in this practice. Lord, not a ritual just to go through to get attention, not just to show off to other people, but rather a way that we can dedicate more time to pray and to focus on taking our needs and struggles and challenges to you and focus on listening and hearing and receiving direction from your word as to how we are to live. Lord, to be able to prepare for special opportunities to share the gospel as they did in Acts 13. Lord, to be able to 
pray about your work as it goes forth around the world. Lord, you are powerful, and I see that evidenced all the time, and we thank you for that. Lord, help us to walk by faith, even when our sight doesn't seem to see what we want to see. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.